This is uh, Ink Says. I'm sitting here having a chat, uh, and you know, you just told me how to pronounce it, and I, I'm probably going to get it wrong. Podki. 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 Um, with American Pat, yes. the team behind the book. Uh, I guess this book came out what, November, September. Um, yeah, that's right. October. Hmm, September, I think. September? I think it came out September. We had an official launch in Toronto in November, early November. But um, that's when it came out, actually. Yeah, it was like that like week. We yeah. got it like the week before. Yeah, something like that. And so that's from Drawn and Quarterly, part of their Petit Livre book. It is, um, and it's a fantastic book. I uh, didn't even know about it, and I went up to Lucky's, where you'll be here. You'll be there tomorrow night from five o'clock till eight o'clock. I think is the times. That's right. That's right. I think it's uh, 3972 Main Street. In the I got that right. Main Street between 23rd and 24th. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my cat's jumping on the table. So um, I went up there and Gabe, the owner, was like, have you seen this book? And he pulls it out. This is incredible. And it's like, wow, that's awesome. And so I thought, well, at some point I should talk to you guys. And then you're over here on Salt Spring Island, so you've made the effort of coming to chat with me, which I very much appreciate coming in. So, I guess um, we'll start out talking about the book, and then I want to know about your collaboration relationship, like how this book came For to sure. me and stuff. Sure. So, tell me about Podkey. Um, uh, the book itself is a sort of a compilation of um, uh, artwork that we had done over a course of like three or four years. I think three years, yeah. Three years. Yeah, pretty recent. And uh, we're just like doing these series of drawings, series of images, and just putting them online and uh, you know, on our website. And the website at the time mostly functioned as sort of like a resume for our animation work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were doing, uh, working in uh, studios in Toronto, doing animation and doing some freelance stuff on our own. And every time we did our own independent sort of uh, illustration or drawings or anything that sort of struck our fancy, we just put it up. And eventually, uh, Chris Oliveris from Drawn and Quarterly just said, yeah, I've been checking out your this, uh, this artwork on your site, and uh, how would you like to put together a book? And, and it took about a year to kind of compile it all. And uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah, and lay it out and sort of get it all going. So did you have a for the most part, were they just kind of random illustrations going together, or did you kind of have a vision? There was a pretty strong vision. There was a strong theme, I think, yeah. just at the beginning. Well, uh, it was from that show, too, though. We had an art show. Yeah. I remember a bunch of the images were... Yeah, I just started to do, uh, like, um, uh, we started to do this folk uh, uh, theme artwork that was based on our, back, our, our cultural backgrounds, um, and just kind of just riffing on that. So... Um, initially I had this page called Domovoy and Domovoy is like a Russian house spirit and I would just do these drawings of imaginary house spirits and just it was almost like character designs mm -hmm. um, uh, so and you were doing those for like years before actually that had been going on for 
three or four years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so it's just, and, and from that, we just got more interested in kind of being uh, influenced by the, the, the folk tales. And, and started actively researching yeah. it a bit more. And um, although the work that Merrick does, I mean, the, the folk tales are so ingrained in Merrick's work, it's not so much like he needs, he doesn't need at all to go back and research because he's Czech and grew up in a Czech household and was born in Czech Republic and had Czech grandparents and so the the folklore is completely embodied within him, mm-hmm. as opposed to if if I'm doing like decorative Ukrainian um, pattern kind of work or work inspired by that, I've had to go back and study that and and, and learn the meaning. Whereas with Merrick, it's it's um, it's innate. So lucky duck. <laughs> That's interesting because I mean the the ingrained culture. Now, what was attracting to you to kind of going back and looking at? This cultural background for yourself. I guess um, I grew up Ukrainian, like Canadian Ukrainian, and uh, we did, you know, Ukrainian Canadian stuff and made pierogies. Made yeah, lots of pierogies <laughs> and polovchi and um, Ukrainian dancing. Ukrainian dancing. I was a kid and went to Ukrainian church where everyone spoke Ukrainian except for me. <laughs> so I didn't really understand <laughs> what was going on. You know, it was kind of like the parents' secret language when all the kids were little. So um, none of us spoke. And not many, I'm not sure how many people, my contemporaries speak Ukrainian. Some do. Just like Merrick's contemporaries, uh, he immigrated, but only like a very small percentage like, speak the language. Yeah, with with, uh, with Czechs, um, it seems like they're more uh, assimilationist when they come to... Uh, um, you know, and when they came to to Canada, so it's not like there's a, a a Czech cultural ghetto. You know, I grew up in Winnipeg, so well, there are um, a lot of different socioeconomic of reasons for that, though, too. Yeah, like you know, like um, who came when they who came? Who came when they came? Yeah, because the you, you, there's a lot of history with with Ukrainian immigration, prairie peasant that farmers, right? Is kind yeah. of one of the hearts of Canada. Is, yeah, for Western Canada. Yeah, although Eastern Canada, Ukrainian settlement is really different. I mean, yeah. those are people who came from cities and and then stayed in bigger cities like Toronto and Montreal as opposed to people on the prairies or in the west, which were more rural. And, and then the Czech community, those people were leaving in 68. It was for political reasons. Yeah. Came in, uh, in yeah. My family came in uh, 71. So, so, yeah, that was just... How old were you? Not to pinpoint your age. <laughs> I was six at the time. Okay, I'm just wondering, like, as much as like how, how much of that being in the Czech Republic would have, kind of, be part of your. Oh, at that time? Uh, well, quite a bit. Well, um, yeah, I came when I was six, and uh, and uh, my 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 parents were quite intent that I retain the language and uh, the culture. So, um, well, you have the best story about how your dad. Um, like enforced uh, your Czech lessons on you. Um, it, it's like amazing. You yeah, told well, it to me like, in, in, like a few years ago. Is like initially wow. the Czech community got together to uh, have these uh, Czech lessons on every Saturday, so you'd go to Czech school. But there was there was a, kind of a, a rupture between the the old Czechs who came in the forties mm-hmm. and the new immigrants um, because it was just kind of different sensibilities. So. The Czech lesson stopped uh, for the for the for the community, and my dad was like really intent that I speak, uh, continue speaking Czech. So what he would do is that every day I'd have to come home from, after I came home from school, would read a page of a Czech fairy tale or folk tale, and write five sentences encapsulating what I had read and illustrate it. 
So I'd have to create a check illu- illustration for a check folktale every day, <laughs> you know, as as part of like check lessons that he was. So that really helped him grade all this culture into you. That's really interesting. Like as far as like the illustration, it aspect. totally would because um, the the books were you know they 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 have the illustrations, but I have to kind of elaborate. I couldn't draw the same thing every day. I'd have to kind of riff on. Because um, then you'd be cheating or something. I'd be cheating, I'd feel bad. Yeah. So I just, little photocopy. Yeah. <laughs> How's that, Dad? Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah. this time the goat faces are right, you know. And <laughs> so, yeah, so so it, it, so definitely I kind of learned to, like... So it's more than just language, thing. it's culture. Like. It's culture, yeah. It is culture. Yeah. It specifically is culture. I mean, when you lose the language, you lose the culture. I mean, you hear that expression a lot in Quebec or, or in any, any place where um, language is threatened. And it's true. You, you really can't separate the two. You know, it's a huge loss once you lose the language. Now, one of the things that I've read about the book is that it's pre-Christian myths. Is that kind of the, the apropos um, yes, pre-Christian well, lore? speak to the... I can speak Mostly. to that. <laughs> it is, yeah, it, it is a pre-Christian. I mean, all of the folk tales and fairy tales are 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 based in pre-Christian um, mythologies, which are usually, which are actually all earth-based, kind of um, nature-worshipping um, uh, mythologies, and they're also uh, mythologies that we both find really attractive, in that um, they really. Um, coexist very nicely with certain ideas about environmentalism or say animal rights or um, uh, positive um, agricultural practices Um, you can kind of blend a lot of those ideas with the the mythologies some of them and then then a lot of them are are actually all the bad ones you just kind of threw them because there's a lot of like fighting and you know, oh, children being put yeah. in pots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some like, ecological significance to children in pots. I mean, you can you can take what you want out of them, which is obviously what we what we've done. Um, yeah, we've we've left out the uh, going over to my neighbor's place and killing Bring him because he's a dragon, and then taking his <laughs> wife. And like, the, the, there's a lot, but it depends. The the myth actually the folk tales are really different though too. Like. Um, Ukrainian ones are really different from Czech ones. Yeah, definitely. Like I think there's crossover. The, the Czech the Czech culture is 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 a very um, non-religious culture, like mm-hmm. in terms of a, a, in terms of a country in Europe. Um, it's it's pretty much the most atheistic. Of, well, I, of it's interesting in school this semester I'm doing Reformation history, and the Czech Republic kind of like they had the Reformation, but a hundred years before Martin Luther. Oh which yeah, which I found fascinating. Like, right, basically they're like. Oh yeah, we already had that, and like yeah, very anti, um, papal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think you know. I think today, like we when we've gone back to the Czech Republic, you know, it's it's. It's seen as that you're like simple-minded if you go to church <laughs> regularly. Oh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. because because um, uh, in Czech tradition for Christmas, uh, the 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 baby Jesus delivers the presents on Christmas Eve. He flies in. He flies in. <laughs> so and all the kids see him. So right? it's it's the same sort of dynamic as you have here with Santa Claus. Is that after a while, it's 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 time to start believing in the baby Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like give that up. So like Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Santa Claus. So it's a great place. So and 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 pagan, uh, uh, the roots of like like uh, of a lot of the, the fables are, are have this kind of like real 
kind of pagan sensibility. You know, the uh, the devil appears a lot in a lot of Czech folklore, and and not as like, you know, the epitome of evil, no. but as like a trickster or just like this other tribe that lives tempt. Yeah, temptation and no, no, not temptation. It's no. not temptation no. at all. It, it's almost like they they coexist. It's almost like they're another society. You know, in yeah. a lot of the stories, it's like. Well, you know, the devils, they know how to build a good bonfire, so let's, let's ask them for, you know, like, you know, when we can't start ours to, to fry the fish. It's like, they just kind of coexist. It, it's like, it's... It's, it's quite, a part yeah. of life. It's a part of life, yeah. Were there any particular uh, folk tales that have stuck out to you from a kid? From being a kid? From being a kid? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's more like the particular... I had a, 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 a whole entire library that was sent to me, like like over the course of my childhood from the old country. I actually and got like three things every week: the price of coffee, and then <laughs> yeah, seriously, it yeah, was like huh. price of coffee, and then a bundle full of uh, comics, comic and Czech, books, Czech, like written Czech like with like Czech. a newspaper, like wrapped in newspaper with string and stuff. Really old school. Yeah, totally classic, like brown paper wrapped in string, and it would be like this bundle of Czech comics. What was the other price? Price of cigarettes. And the There's price like of cigarettes, yeah, they're kind of reminding us that, like, okay, you in the West, send us uh, send us smokes. And <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it wasn't cigarettes; it was coffee and something else. But even even when, well, we would you would still get the co- the weekly price of coffee updates when we got together. Mom would still get those. Oh updates. yeah, 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 for sure, and bl- and like uh, blueberries and everybody's concerned, but um, <laughs> blueberries. <laughs> yeah. So, so. So yeah, I'd get, we'd get these these books, and so uh, so for me, what stands out is, is a lot the illustrators, you know, just just being uh, visually inclined. I was like, so I have these like these images. I was just talking to my mom like the other day about this this one image where um, it's it's this it's a folk tale where this this little boy and lives with this this elk, and this elk is sort of like like in Miyazaki's film, it's like the the spirit of the forest, right? And this little boy lives with him, and these uh, these wild women of the forest are trying to tempt this little boy out to devour him, and eventually they manage to to steal him away. And the the illustration, this full page illustration, was all these young women with these massive butcher knives about the half the size of their body <laughs> dancing around this little boy who they fattened up. You know, and this is like. This illustration I was looking at it as a, se- as a seven-year-old is like totally traumatizing. It's like <laughs> fear of women and knives. Like has, has, has it's like, like some kind of Russ Myers. Frustration, <laughs> friction. Yeah. Just to remind people, uh, I'm talking to American Pat from the book Padaki, or I guess Tin Can Forest is your your collective name. 
and you're going to be at Lucky's Comics tomorrow night, um, Friday night. What's the date? Because I'm doing this the twentieth. The twentieth of March. March twentieth. Um, up at three nine seven two Main Street, in between twenty third and twenty fourth. I will be there. You should too. Um, couple got more questions. Um, there seems to be kind of looking at the collaboration, especially not so much the ones in the book, but a lot on the uh, on the website. There'd be, you know, different parts which are yours, different parts which are yours. The pattern, and then the kind of melting in the middle. Is there? kind of a balance there between like this very orderly part to it and then this kind of general melting madness or is that just me actually what do you mean do you understand the question like you what you have you have the the patterns on the outside and then the middle is your kind of this oh, melting myths like is there like a an aesthetic there of the balance of the two like kind of a dichotomy or um I think the the way we c- collaborate, um, each project sort of like like uh, has its its own kind of um, structure. You know, we just come up with a, a, a mode which which we work. But a lot of the collaboration before we used to just like each work on our own comics or pieces. But we st- when we started animation, which is like a decade ago, um, a lot of just just just. Animation necessitates, uh, you know, collaboration. more collaboration. But even before that, actually, cause we used to we did like murals and yeah. uh, comics and drawings like back years ago. But we would remember we would especially with murals. Remember we would go in and redo each other's figures. That's true. So we've been like messing with each other's work <laughs> for years and years. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. Although now I find like back then we would just kind of like fight over it more and fight over figures. But now it's more, um, we have strict you roles, have group, I yeah. find. Maybe because of animation. Like, in animation, everyone kind of takes a role because it's so labor-intensive that mm-hmm. you'll, you won't get anything done unless you kind of define the, the process. And now I find we've applied that to the, the projects that we pursue now. It's like, okay, doing you're directing art, yeah. and I'm editing, or we're both directing, or both... And usually kind of using uh, animation terminology, but applied to still images. What is Tin Can Forest? It's a uh, it's it's an animation company. We actually do um, commercial animation work, and it's our collaborative name. And uh, there's a bit of tension between the work that we do that's commercial and non-commercial, and we're kind of always kind of should Tin Can Force be. It's a conundrum because yeah. because it's all it, it represents the the independent work we do, the fine art we do, the comics, uh, independent animation. But it's also a commercial production it's studio. Also a commercial production <laughs> so. Studios, so we've done like TV commercials under that banner, and uh, yeah, it's a conflict. We haven't completely oh, resolved we do, like, kids it. Films and and that's the thing too. So we're doing some kind of adult-oriented um, uh, image imagery, and now we're also we'll be doing a children's book this this summer, and which is like uh, also you know so we're like adult-oriented. No, which is <laughs> <laughs> kids, you gotta learn at some point. That's right. It's it's a sex ed book actually. Uh, so so yeah. So I mean, it's knives and women. Freudian. So yeah, to throw it all under that one umbrella. But you know, it's it's um, you know. On the other hand, I don't want to like start up some sort of like imprint of for yeah. the children and for commercial. But well, uh, for because the most mostly we want to do the work that Tin Can for Boris does, which is 
um, the still art, like in Pohadki, um, and stuff that's veering more towards fine art, veering away from commercial art, um, including comics, of course. But um, uh, yeah, and stuff for a mature audience. Yeah, I mean, we what just we just we just cut a new reel, and we just you know we didn't include like like most of the commercial, the commercial stuff because it's just like it's it's commercial. It's it's had other you know input from the clients and so on. And, you know, we want to basically really for foreground our style and, and, and sentiment. So hopefully, you know, going more in that direction. Uh, now you've mentioned comics a whole bunch, um, but I mean, this is definitely not a comic. It's true. Um, tell me about your comic work. Well, we did uh, back in the day <laughs> when we were younger. Uh, we did zines and comics, and it was that whole time of um, when everyone was doing sort of uh, self, not real self, self-obsessive kind of self-reflective kind of comics. That whole time period, and um, we, you know, put out our own zine, but like didn't really go anywhere other than yeah, our it was friends. Totally like, yeah, and, you know, small, small press. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we drew comics for ourselves and for our a friends, lot. and yeah. a lot. And but then we. This was all pre-internet and all that sort of thing. And uh, those were the days. <laughs> the days. No, no, these are the days. It's, it's great now. We're really happy with the internet. No. Um, and uh, and we didn't really do comics for like too much for the last since animation. Yeah, like yeah. So animation's pretty much like taken up most of years, our time. Yeah. Uh, but because of Pohatke just kind of being reintroduced to the comics community. Um, that's been really cool. I've started to do a comic now. I'm doing for a Czech publication uh, that's that's coming out um, late summer. So I'm doing a cover and four pages for it. it's it's sort of the comics journal of the Czech Republic. It's been, it's 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 published out of Brno, which is the second largest city in the Czech Republic, and uh, so that's cool. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. Who yeah. thought there was such a thriving comics community there? There was oh. my. My ignorance. Oh, yeah, yeah. There really is. All throughout Eastern Europe, it's really different because I think it's developed in a really different way than Western uh, Europe. You know, like these huge scenes in France and Italy and Spain. Yeah. And um, I think that, that in Eastern in Eastern Europe, uh, what one in, a really interesting thing is, is that sort of heroic art was, was the state art. You know, it was like socialist realism. Mm-hmm. So... You know, something like, like, you know, superhero comics or even heroic comics that, that you'd see in Western Europe, you know, like, like the sci-fi stuff, it just wouldn't fly because artists that were, you know, kind of felt oppressed by the system, they, they wouldn't think to draw that sort of, the, the stuff that was kind of imposed in the placards, you know, of, of socialist realism. So you had this, so a lot of the comics, a lot of the comics that I would get as a, as a kid, like from, they were the 70s and early 80s and um, they had this kind of underground sensibility because a lot of artists could only express themselves like you know there was huge print restrictions and they can only express themselves in children's literature because <laughs> there wouldn't be that much subversive children's literature Subver- <laughs> 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 everyone re- read between the lines so yeah you could read between the lines and yeah. you can also be subversive stylistically like yeah. like you know the, the, the subject matter is innocuous but You'd still be able to do kind of wilder stuff and and have. It's like the uh, the Orwell an- Animal Farm aesthetic, almost. Yeah, ex- yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a good parallel for sure. So, it's neat. So you'd have this really kind of avant-garde and kind of like caric- caricatures with a sense of like sympathy for people, you know, in in children's children's comics. So, you know, 
so when I like as a kid, like when I discovered underground comics, I saw this stylistic parallel really to the Czech, Czech stuff I grew up with. Yeah, I'd love to see some of that just to see like what. We were it's talking, we, you know, we were talking about that the other day. It'd be really neat if a publisher was interested in, in, in putting together like some, you know, you know, the only th the only thing that's kind of crazy is that the humor is so regional that I don't know if it translates well. There's a lot of jokes about no, mushroom kicking, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like carp in the bathtub and carp, yeah, carp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what? You yeah. know, like, you know, it's like uh, it's like in that Simpsons episode where they they get. Itchy and scratchy done in Eastern Europe. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the worker in the military. <laughs> but yeah, it's like an old Chaplin movie. Yeah. Um. So, tell me about how your experience. You're you're telling me this before we started interviewing. I think it's really fascinating. So I want to hear it again. Um. You're on Salt Spring Island right now. What that's been like, kind of immersing yourself in a completely different culture because normally you're in Toronto yeah, that's right. and which is you know bustling bussy busy big city and Salt Spring Island is pretty much the complete opposite it's idyllic it is it is absolutely although we were like like you know there surprised there's a lot there of traffic there are issues yeah and there are yeah, traffic there are traffic issues. more traffic than we thought yeah you, you do hear cars I was hoping to not hear cars but uh, it's been it's been idyllic it's yeah. been amazing actually we, we really loved it um, the forest is is um, is epic, you know. Uh, you just just uh, we we we'd only seen photos and the you know photography. We didn't believe it really. We didn't believe it. <laughs> like, seriously, we're just like, like, oh sure, like you're saturating that green. It's not going to yeah. be like that. And then you go out there and it's just like this like totally fairy tale epic rainforest in rainforest. Canada. Yeah. yeah, it's just like yeah, it's really thrilling. Mind blowing. Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, we've been there now like three months and. Uh, the, the property where we live, you walk uh, through the property and enter the forest. And every time I enter the forest, it still like floors me because it is just so dramatic. And uh, friends from BC have told us this before. It's like, you know, elsewhere you have to look for that sort of the vista and the beauty. But here, you know, it's so easy. It's so in your face. It's just like it's everywhere. We kind of take it for granted. I, I imagine you do. Because oh yeah, you have like trees near the airport even. Like even the airport's kind of... Amazing! We're like, wow, look, like farm fields and stuff. <laughs> so it's it's uh, neat, yeah. you know. Well, it all depends on how you come out from the airport because oh. if you go through Richmond proper, it's this oh. sprawling cityscape of I don't know gaudiness. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Everything's only like a couple stories high, uh -huh. um, and if there's ever an earthquake, the whole city will sink oh. or the whole suburb. So they're like, why, why bother building anything really exciting? It's going to sink anyways. <laughs> Throw it up. It's going to go yeah, down. Much. Sprawl, yeah. sprawl, sprawl, yeah. No, sprawl. No, it's, uh, it's, yeah. But you, then you get out to like Swass and stuff where you're going out to the ferry. I guess you probably Yeah, we've straight. only done the ferry thing. Yeah. And it's, no. and it's, there's always like eagles along the way and stuff. So it's kind of, wow, this is nice. Like Toronto when you come home from the airport. Well, you do actually see a, um, red-tailed hawks or peregrine falcons but it's like really sad because you'll see one like on a spindly little tree amongst like the highways and he's got this tear in his eye kind of thing you know <laughs> that commercial <laughs> <laughs> he's a sad red-tailed falcon yeah 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 yeah, yeah so the forest has been amazing and epic that's it that's what I'm broke 
Henry. Another card. Back to normal. What was the choice of kind of re doing like a relocation? We uh, we're working on a new film, a new animated film, and um, it's about the forest. Trees. Trees. It's about trees. So we thought, go to We'd the forest. We find some. Yeah. Go to you know, and, and we did want to get out of Toronto, and we wanted to like yeah. So we wanted to get out of Toronto, and uh, we really love Canada, and. Um, we had always heard about how great like the BC forests were. Yeah. So we kind of we didn't necessarily um, plan to be on Salt Spring, but we just found a, a place that we could rent that fit certain requirements, which were like we need isolation, a forest like in our backyard, and we we don't drive, so we need to be able to walk somewhere where we can get food, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this fit the bill, right? And it was even better because it's it actually came with like organic apple orchard and, and I animals and stuff. I appreciate so much more that you guys came in today <laughs> to take the bus. The bus coming in wasn't so bad. Yeah, the, the ferry was like, like the pretty quick. The ferry was super fast. It was like yeah. an hour. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, and I understand people commute, actually. Yeah, you can do They're, it. You, you yeah. can yeah. do it's it. Pretty yeah. easy, actually. Most of them drive, I think. Yeah. Mm. It's true, yeah, yeah. There was like, there was. Us and like a senior citizen couple. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Four people and then just a, a hull full of cars. Now, what's the animation you work on? Is this like a personal thing and the reason for setting yourself in the forest? 
the animation is actually a film idea that Merrick actually conceived of about two years ago, I guess. Well, it kind of like kept growing, and it. it do you want to explain the whole evolution of it? Or? Uh, yeah, I had gotten uh, some funding from a, the, uh, a, a funding body called the Charmers uh, Fellowship to do um, just to kind of do some experimental animation, essentially, just like a different approach to animation than which, which is kind of improvisatory because. Uh, the software that we use to do animation is called After Effects, so it's kind of a 2D animating animation program. And what's great is that your animation sequence is always live, so you can always alter things. So it's not like you've drawn a whole bunch of. Because uh, we're also trained as classical cell animators, yeah. and that that process is 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 great, but just you have like to kind of map it out. Yeah, and there's no room for improvisation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But with the kind of animation we're doing now, it's kind of cut out. Um, so you can What you do is you build a character. Um, like puppets, a digital character, like yeah, and then you can go back and change, and so it it, it, ha it allows for a lot more like kind of versatility. So I got to do that, and I designed a bunch of characters, and started to kind of come up with a theme for it. And um, and at some point, we bought a soundtrack from this band, Wolves in the Throne Room, who are out of Olympia, it's like a black metal band, <laughs> who are uh, it's really great. Yeah, also like staunch environmentalists. They actually live off the grid. Like like really good, really cool sensibility, and it's this really epic kind of operatic score, and um, so yeah, it really inspired us. And uh, this is their neck of the woods. Like a lot of the imagery from from their work also uh, uh, uses the rainforest. Yeah, so Olympia's not too far. It's yeah, five, four or five hours drive, I think. Four hours right. drive. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so it all kind of it just kept growing. It kept into growing this project into this project, and we thought, oh, so go out there and. Uh, yeah, we're just also too. I mean, Toronto is nice, and uh, we we we're runners. We long distance jog actually, and we run a lot through the ravine system there, and uh, know it pretty well. But um, there comes a point where you're just like, I need fresh air. You yeah. know, you just well, the ravine system is basically where all the smog dumps into. <laughs> well, it's a little. I'm asthmatic too, so um, I can really kind of tell if the air is really unhealthy in a place because I'll, I'll need to use a puffer. Yeah. And you can actually, it, it's better in the ravines, definitely. It, it doesn't actually all. Okay. You'd think it might, but, but it, it doesn't. I guess because they're a little bit out of the center. But, um, but also, too, we just kind of wanted to be in an area where um, we can actually see sort of um, not untamed forests, but forests less fettered, you know? Well, I mean, um, Toronto's just so, so heavily settled. I mean, it's... Oh yeah, to, you yeah. have to really go far out to get. You can something. see, you can see a lot of wildlife in Toronto, though. Like I've seen deer, like come, like there's actually been deer in High Park, and deer come down into um, the Humber Ravine, like often. It's there's, it's kind of neat because because of the ravine system, you actually get a lot of birds and wildlife like using those 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 migratory paths or those pathways and coming out from the country down into the city. Which is pretty cool, pretty unique. Because I, I don't know if you'd actually see that in other cities of that mm -hmm. size, have wildlife that integrated within the city. Yeah. So that's that's really exciting. But on the other hand, the car traffic and the, the pollution from the cars is, is just out of control. It's really uh, irritating, you know. Um, so we, we wanted to go somewhere where we could uh, be away from that and also be inspired and, and be around trees. Like, And, uh, yeah, this totally fit the bill. The forest is a... And then there's been another thing too. But it's but it's wild because it's still 
you know, it's, it's there's still problems. There's still problems. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. deforestation happening there because of the the developers, and you know, you see there's no there's no idle anywhere, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Forest so is you see the encroachment of yeah. civilization. You know, it's just like so. It, it's it's neat to to you know because you you know you can get theoretical sitting in the city about this about these the, issues. The beautiful countryside and yeah, you know, which was you know, uh, I mean, I think when we were sitting in Toronto and going. Well, we're doing, here's this theme, here's stuff we're concerned with, or at least aesthetically, I mean, we're not activists or anything, and, but to start doing it here, you know, and downloading pictures of <laughs> forests <laughs> off the internet to draw from. Someone's Photoshop picture. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So let's, you know, let's go to the source, and it's been really worthwhile. It's been oh, yeah. amazing. You know. well, also, too, um, even yeah. on Salt Spring, there are cougars. Um, they swim over, like, actually, it was kind of one of the reasons why I was at first like, okay, this is the perfect place for us, because... Um, then I don't. I can run anywhere. I don't have to worry about like bears or cougars, but still be in BC. Yeah. So this is great, you know. But then, um, then there was there was a cougar attack, um, killed some goats like in a farm not far from ours just uh, this past winter, and I was kind of like, you know, oh, this is kind of putting a damper on my like, <laughs> <laughs> exploring, right? Because I'm doing old jogging trail, not jogging, but logging trails, and mm-hmm. just going into the bush basically having a super great time but then all of a sudden it's like oh there's a king <laughs> or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I got really paranoid but there's now, three of them apparently you know the, yeah like there's, there's the, I don't even know how how, so, how did somebody come out. up with three but anyways they're there but um, now I'm just like okay whatever it's what's yeah. gonna happen you know there's kind of that balance you between your own fears and also knowing when other people are perpetuating the you know, just the whole statement of, well, there's three, well, like, how do you know that? Oh, you know, yeah. How much is this, like, and it's also, like, sure. fear or, li- or live, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to live. I'm going to keep running, and if I meet a cougar, see what happens. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, it was actually pretty neat because, you know, I've only experienced the forest, like, of High Park in Toronto, <laughs> you know, which is <laughs> pretty tame. Uh, but here it was kind of neat, like, going back and, and studying um, folklore, mythology, and, and that sort of thing, and actually looking at the forest as a place to be scared, was really neat, a new experience. Like, even as a kid, I spent a lot of time in the white shell, and there were bears there. But we were never worried, because if you sing, a bear, you know, won't come and bother you. You don't have to be afraid. But yeah. here with cougars, it's a little bit different, right? Cougars are way different than it's bears. It's very different. Yeah, there's, there's nothing you can really do. <laughs> yeah, so bears, like, most of the time, is if you're doing something really, 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 really stupid then something will happen with the bear. Like, you're yeah. going, look, ooh, look at the little bear. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Looks so yeah. friendly. Yeah. I'm going to pat that thing. But with a cougar, it's like, it's you're up to done. him, right? Yeah, yeah. But, it was, but still, but that getting that feeling of fear was really, um, totally made me look at the forest and look at those stories differently, right? Because then I could look at them from the perspective that the people were kind of feeling, like fear of the forest. It's not... Ah, so beautiful, lovely, picturesque. It's like, it can kill me. You know, there are dangers and sort of appreciating that. Well, it's also like that part of knowing these when you're a child is they're kind of indoctrinating those fears too. Like, you know, what you should be afraid of. And as an adult, you kind of, you're not scared of things anymore. You don't have the boogeyman, but you're kind of giving yourself a boogeyman. The cougar? Yeah. Well. You know, it's kind of giving you that childhood aesthetic too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. The boogeyman cougar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cougar. Yeah. yeah, we have different forms of that in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Vancouver actually be a little more scared actually. <laughs> be like, scared of the cougars here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I would be a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, um, just a reminder, folks, for uh, chat with Merrick and Pat about animation, the Padaki book, and Cougars. Um, now, experimental animation is interesting because before we were talking, you are mentioning your old friends with Julian Lawrence, and he actually does some really experimental stuff, too. Apparently, I haven't seen it, but he does this thing where he does this scratch animation where he just gets the reel and just starts scratching as the thing's going. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard that. I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, uh, us and Julian have been on opposite side of the continent, so so I haven't seen a scratch animation, but uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. We all fell into yeah. the same field, yeah. Ultimately, like, did you know him like in art school? Or? Yeah, oh, we okay. went to art school. I went high school with him actually, oh, high school. and then we went to art school together, and then um, we moved to Montreal all at the same time. It was an exodus. I played in bands with Julian, so yeah, we you know we had a, we had a youth together, but then at like. 24, he went west and uh, we went east and we went to Montreal and uh, yeah. But uh, you know, there's we're we're from Winnipeg and there's a Winnipeg grapevine like so we were all like like punk rockers in Winnipeg and still kind of keep in touch and know who's yeah. having babies and who's like breaking up and stuff. So I've got some cool. uh, some friends that are from Winnipeg and here all all the different Winnipeg scenes. I guess they all have that same. It's it was it's very <laughs> tight. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, not too many people stay there, you know, like, most people leave, you know, sometimes you go back, but, at, you know, Winnipeg's a place to leave, you know, <laughs> good, great art scene, totally vibrant, uh, consistently, you know, great music scene, but people do split, because it's just like, uh, 40 below, 40 below, <laughs> desolate, sort of bleak, that must have been feeling good, too, like, doing the, the West Coast winter in comparison to Toronto, which was, was 40 below this year. Oh yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. friends got kind of irritated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I went like, for a jog. Yeah, yeah, people, people were getting pissed shirt. off. Yeah. It's like I don't want to hear about your island anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, the only thing is, um, everyone on the island was really freaking out because um, we got a lot of snow there, mm -hmm. and I guess they're not used to us. For us, it was no problem because it was very warm. You know, like minus five. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it was still extremely warm, and uh, but they oh, like that the house fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, but people weren't prepared for it, and it caused havoc. But mm. it just caused us like happiness. It was really it beautiful. It caused us an extra sweater. <laughs> 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 This is my regular speed. So how do you want me to live with it? How do you want me to live with it? Without bringing all our lives, without overthrowing cars, without emptying the bars, without doing with your chores. Sister Revelations per minute. This is my regular need. So how do you want me to live with it? How do you want me to live with it? I'm gathering new generation that's gonna stand up to it. To this karaoke, karaoke dictatorship. Where posers and models with guitars boogie to the shit for bits. I make a better rock revolution alone with my dick.
no te estoy hablando yo de revolución Hace mucho tiempo que yo ya no te decía No te dijo este sea muerte, policía Pasa lo que digas, ya está todo arreglado Digas lo que digas, ya te mandan deportado Hay que tiene igual y sobre la ley dispone Mientras que el pobre es pobre, pobre, pobre Y otro se la come, come Pobre, 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 pobre Y otro se la come, come Sonidero Nacional hasta Rumba Cuba. Maybe let's talk a little bit more about the book. Um, tell me about some of the, the the process within the art, um, because I'm figuring it's uh, computer coloring, right? Uh, yes, it is. It's uh, it's it's um, back and forth. Back and forth. Um, there's there's drawings in there that are that are totally pen and ink. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that's completely digital. So, um, do you have a preference? Do I have a preference? Um, no. Um, uh, I think, uh, like, I, w I work in Illustrator mostly, uh, and it's just an amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just, it, it rules. It's great. It's great for line quality. It's great for uh, color. It's just uh, so. It's it's really great. Um, All the tool. tools are fantastic yeah. now. I mean, and, it's, and it's the best time to be an artist. I think. It, I find and and they're they're uh, the the. Uh, you know, his big plug for Adobe. The, 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 <laughs> Little sponsorship. Yeah, the, the Trinity, you know, for us, it's Photoshop, Illustrator, and After Effects. And they're so... So here's the flip side to, like, environmental concerns. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but I got the new Photoshop version yeah. with you the... Got, yeah, it's yeah. true. No, it's, it's, it's just they're, they're... No, but yeah, we do love yeah, them. Yeah, we do love them. We do love it. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they you can well. make digital film. You can make animation. Like it's kind of neat. When we got into anima animation, it was a great time to to learn because um, it just became accessible. Really, all the uh, computers became inexpensive enough that you could build a home system and, and buy a program and uh, set up and make your own film at home, uh, stop motion or uh, traditional cell or two D, whatever. Especially for stop motion, actually, we do we do that also. But um, it was just a fantastic time to like enter the field, you know. It's still good. It's still great. Tell me about your uh, your patterns within the book. They're um, they are inspired by Ukrainian um, traditional patterns that are often functioning as talisman on various like uh, Ukrainian household items, like um, rushnik, which are like ceremonial cloths. Um, we'll have. Uh, um, patterns on them that are for specific purposes, like if a woman is getting married or a baby is born. Or, um, so it's, it's a complete language, basically, that um, a lot of people probably would still know what they mean, like Ukrainians, but a lot of people also wouldn't. So mm -hmm. for me, what I love about doing that kind of work is going back and relearning that language, that, that language of pictograms that was sort of 
um, transmitting the culture from generation to generation to, to the point where um, you know a certain blouse will have uh, decorations and that will be representing a certain town um, or region so it's it, it was kind of neat because it, you could think of an, in a traditional Ukrainian household like everything would be decorated and have meaning you know so it's almost like living in this regional specifics regional um, traditional family um, uh, every aspect of life and then clan. a tal clan or, and talisman kind of purpose too like uh, certain symbols for lack or for strength or for um, you know uh, fighting the evil spirits um, a lot of that sort of thing of course so it was kind of neat because you would look around a room and everything would be talking to you all every, all the symbols would would be like on all the articles of clothing and, and decoration and furniture and they would have meaning to you you know and like they do now but now they're all brands right it's, yeah. it's kind of Sick and sad. No, it's, it's, uh, it's or religious iconography too. I or mean, religious, you know, but I mean, the average. Yeah, yeah, religious, but but in terms of like a of a sort of an overwhelming presence, I, I would I would kind of have to draw a link to branding. Mm, I think yeah. branding now has that sort of significance that these kind of um, folk pictograms had at that time, and it's because it's a common language. I've right? read some really like interesting when you read. Um, like modern magic with a K writers talking about that use of symbolism like a uh, comic writer uh, Grant Morrison gets really into that like how totems and symbols work within like real life and how you know you create symbols of worship and like I'm, out of mm -hmm. branding and stuff so it's really oh really yeah yeah they function in the same sort of way for traditional peasant societies I mean the, the, the Nike brand has as much like power now yeah. You know, like personal power. This 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 stupid outfit is giving me power because it says Nike on it. As as you know, back in the day, it was like an egg with a certain symbol. Yeah. You know, it's 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 serving that kind of purpose. Although um, now the creator it used to be somebody out of the household, but now it's a corporate creator. So which sometimes is somewhat out of household. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But graphic designers but, and well, that's true. But the power structure is is, is innately no. different. You know, um, someone's vision is uh, definitely changed along the way. Well, it's it's not a communal thing, right? As if it's it's a top up power on the top and kind of like speaking down, as opposed to a um, um, equal Something partners that, participating. Right? It's it's so. not a, a communal act anymore. It doesn't have that natural development where it just kind of comes from being used for something and then mm -hmm. yeah. well I mean it's also there's, it's profit driven you know uh, yeah. there, oh, yeah. so, so there's, there's symbols of yeah. worship <laughs> um, oh, but, but they're not they're not um, I'm not necessarily um, looking for symbols to no. give myself magical power or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> just, to know, just, just, just to clarify <laughs> I'm not Grant Morrison <laughs> Well, is there any choice of um, and some of them I made up to you actually they're they're inspired by and some are out of the ones do you make a choice out of the placement of certain symbols um, because it, it's a lot of time it's a balance you'll have one of Merrick's pieces mirrored with one of your mm -hmm. one of your patterns the the um, book is edited when we uh, make films or work in that uh, mode usually I'll be editing and the book is presented in that kind of way. I've kind of edited the book and laid out the book like it's a small film. So ideally, um, you would look at the book and it would flow as if you're watching a small animation. So that's what the layout is trying to accomplish. So the patterns are kind of creating breaks. Yeah, breaks and there's close-ups and long shots and um, then there's not 
yeah, it's 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 like a small watching a small film ultimately is the experience that you should sort of feel that you've had rather than reading a book. Um, and that's something I was curious about is the the use of close ups within certain pieces because you'll have to see like you know, like a bird on a leg or something. Yeah, I was hoping to abstract them at that point too in the close ups. Um, that's a good looking. Yeah, they're. I wanted because when the, when the figures are abstracted too, they look really great. It's really exciting. So I wanted that to. Um, to happen in the book. Huh. Well, it, and it's really interesting because, I mean, you'll have, like, it's literally, like, a tiny part of this huge image that you close up on. It looks great, that one little thing. So I'm curious, like, how big should these big pieces be if they're not in this uh, I- ideally, petite ideally, <laughs> ideally, they'd be a lot bigger. Like, they're all prints. Everything in the book, they're all, like, 16 by 20 prints. Yeah, well, it's yeah, too small. not, not all really of them, but, yeah, there's really. this fair amount that were designed to be 16 by 20 prints that we did for But I don't think the size is, is uh, I think they're too small to function well even as prints. I think they should actually be about... Wall size. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, th- about three times that size, I guess. Yeah. Maybe twice as big. So, so yeah, 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 there we go. But um, so that was the thing of just like kind of uh, editing it with that in mind. So there are going to be small images, so maybe pull out something that speaks to the flow. Well, yeah, because of working with that size, yeah, yeah. that size, you can find it. So tell me about the images themselves. Um, What is going into? Because I I was saying this earlier. I, I I don't even know if I was saying this, but there's a lot of like they kind of all interconnect to each other. I guess I feel like when I look at them, it just, they all seem to have a part together. Do you kind of, is there a melding? Like what's, what's going into like a select piece? Um, it is, a lot of it is just like, um, formal concerns. So it's just the way to compose, uh, uh, a piece, um, at that time. Does one piece kind of pick a particular myth? Somewhat, like yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a. It's it's not completely. Um, each piece isn't like a, a total, like a linear narrative. Like it illustrates this one fable or illustrates this, this one myth or anything. So it's just there is there's 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 themes. You know, there's like like uh, uh, broader themes. If I did a series, if I did like a. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a, a combination between between the, the thematic work between the different characters. Um, that that you know, like that's like this one in particular is like a Vodnik. He's a he's a he's a classic uh, Czech um, a folk character. This kind of a water spirit. But um, you know, then I'll just like kind of play with it. You know, play with it um, formally. Uh, Would you ever um, have? something available which would have like the story accompanying the pieces or do you think they kind of the pieces need to be by themselves um like illustrations to to text you mean yeah or text to to illustrations like maybe like a group of stories to kind of check out uh, we've been talking about that a lot because everybody asks us that because you know as soon as because you know I, I think where's my picture book <laughs> where's the picture book what does it mean you know and and um, so yeah uh, and I've been you know we've both been thinking of doing it in comic form you know mm-hmm. and just I think that be the next book would would address that basically would address that yeah so it would be like a compendium to Pahatki so yeah. now <laughs> so we uh, like yeah we have been talking about that like have some of these characters in stories and then you can go. They, they can uh, fill in the blanks with 
the well, back, I the mean, backgrounds. we're actually working on that now. Yeah. So, yeah. So they will be actually more traditional comics, yeah. but working with um, the images that are in Pahaki. Let's go! 
Now, um, for tomorrow night at Lucky's 3972 Main Street, um, 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock, where you two will be, are you going to have any prints or anything like that there, or is it pretty much just going to be hanging out? And we are. We're going to um, put some stuff up in the gallery space. So um, yeah. Okay, the, yeah, in, yeah. The big, in the big room. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that should be quite fun. We've, uh, we've got posters. Yeah. So there's uh, a very nice yeah. poster I saw online for the for the event. It looks really neat. Oh yeah, that was fun to do. Yeah. So yeah, there's I I I, I was deathly sick for the for the past month, and uh, I just drew bears. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was like therapeutic. It's I don't like know why. It's like when he does, so, he's really sick. Yeah, yeah. I just like <laughs> well, I could, no, it no. was like bright lights and loud noises. It was very sensitive, so I couldn't work on the on, there on were my no computer. Bright lights or loud noise? No, I couldn't work on a screen, so yeah. I, I just filled up a sketchbook with bear drawings. So I'm gonna bring those. And uh, and some other uh, prints we have that we, from from our previous show. We did a show called Domovoy in Toronto just like a few days before we left to come out here. So, tell me about the process of putting together the um, the characters within the pieces. Do you kind of put it all just draw it and they all kind of go together, or do you kind of piece them together to see how they work together? Uh, I do work collage style. Sometimes I'll just I'll, I'll do a series of of, uh, of characters. And then you and work really big too. I mean, they're huge sheets. With yeah, when, yeah. When I when I work when I work, uh, uh, what would it be? Acoustically. <laughs> Acoustic <laughs> drawing. Acoustic drawings, or you know, uh, traditionally. Traditionally, traditional. Uh, yeah, I like to draw really big. But um, yeah, but even even the digital work, I'll either do collage or sometimes I'll just totally compose um, and and draw. Like I use a Wacom tablet. And just draw and create some brushes that I know people that love those things. Oh, it, they're great! Oh, it, they're inc- you know how much less paper we use now? It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Seriously, like just imagine the supplies of paper. Trees, yeah. Like since since we've gone digital, uh, I mean, there's still lots and lots and lots of paper around the house, but it's a lot less. It's, it's beautiful. Is sketchbook process important too, though? You're talking earlier about the bears. It is. It, it you know I, I've I've I've. We, I think we've both used sketchbooks a lot less. We've we've got like boxes and boxes of sketchbooks from our our, our pre digital, like you know, <laughs> I, I like there were times where we'd fill yeah, a, a sketchbook <laughs> every like insane, like we just like go through them. But um, not now, so much now. Not although so we now we'll probably do it more again. The um, new thing with digital is is like everything we do, we're aware that that we can use it for animation. So we'll do, we'll do like some still art that's intended to be like a print and then I'll give, you know, I'll give it to Pat and go, you know, once you animate, you know, well, animate I'll be like, this I'd character. Love to animate that. That yeah. Was, you know, and great. And since you created in Illustrator, you can. Yeah. You can actually like you import it. Import it and add movement. So movement is now part of like sketching or yeah. Time based you can do. Yeah. It's awesome. So the next thing you have will come out is the comic thing you're talking about. Uh, the next thing, uh, yeah. Well, you'll be doing your comic for the guy in Czech Republic. Yeah, really. so there'll be a comic in Czech Republic. Um, and I'm sure there are actually maybe people listening in the Czech Republic. So that would yeah, be it. Yeah, for sure. Go out and run out and, and buy an issue. And uh, <laughs> we're working on a children's book based on a short film we did called Montrose Avenue. And um, uh, it's about our street in Toronto where we live. And we're doing it as a children's book. Well, probably with kid, kids can't press. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's for them. And... Um, I just did. Uh, there's a zine called Oaken Throne, which is the premier black metal uh, <laughs> zine. Like it's re- it's 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 put done by this guy in um, 
I think he's in Salt Lake, but he's he's a graphic designer. So it's like beautiful graphic design uh, piece of work. And I did the CD. A cover. black metal guy from Salt Lake City. Nice, isn't yes, it? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's so many. It's odd the amount of creative people that come out of this desolate land of unhappiness. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it's like Winnipeg. It's like Winnipeg. <laughs> but for you know, sure. it, it makes sense. Like it's. You know, it's it's kind of great. I'm glad we did grow up in Winnipeg because when you're so isolated, it's kind of neat. You you know, of course, you have to build your own time, and there's no like possibility of like commercial success or like, you, you're not motivated by the side of things you might be motivated by in a bigger city. Like you do art just to compete with yourself and to please yourself and to show your friends. Same musically too. There's no um, there's no other reason to do it, but it, it kind of maybe it raises the bar. I mean, the isolation. You're so like. You've removed. got five months that you're stuck inside. Yeah, yeah, and there's not, and also I guess it might have changed a lot now, like because of the internet, and and also too, it's a lot cheaper to travel outside Winnipeg now, for instance. Like, you know, when we grew up, it was kind of like someone would come from out of town, we'd all be like, "Wow, <laughs> you're <laughs> from Saskatoon." Yeah, no, seriously, it's like, "Ooh, he's from Toronto," and I doubt it's like that now because you know, you, you know what's going on. You had to listen to like late night radios, you know, hear about new bands, you know, kind of. Ooh, this is exciting! And now you can find everything; it's really accessible. So I'm not sure if that uh, has changed or will change um, that the environment that that isolation has has bred and the kind of artists that it's traditionally made. You know? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, can't, I don't think you can escape your physical. You know, even even with great yeah, communication yeah. potential, I still think it's cold and you're in a basement. Well, then it's even better. Because yeah. because you're kind of like under the gun you're kind of yeah. like suppressed and isolated but you have an even more reference material yeah so it would be even better art to me yeah. well thank you both for taking the time to thanks for having us come and visit with me um, thank you very much American Pat the book is Paraki Pahaki Pahaki I'm an ignorant <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard you know like um Pohatki. It's, it's Pohatki. Pohatki. The, the, it's, it's the, really the accent above the A is like you, you stretch the A's. And ignore the D. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I swallow the D. Swallow the D. Um, and tomorrow night at Lucky's Comics between 23rd and 24th on Main Street, uh, 5 and 8. Yes. I'll be cool. There. Come on Come up. Come check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Robin. Thanks. Just be